Welcome to Nurses, Politics, and Policy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Clark, and today I'm pleased to introduce our guest, Professor Nathan Cortez. Professor Cortez is a Gerald J. Ford Research Fellow and Endowed Professor at the Dedman School of Law at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. He teaches and writes in the areas of health law, administrative law, and FDA law. His research focuses on emerging markets in healthcare and biotechnology. He's also published several articles and book chapters on the legal and ethical implications of these phenomena. Professor Cortez has presented his research around the world and also provides frequent commentary to the national media. Nathan, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Great. So could you share with us just a little bit about your background, a little more and your involvement in healthcare and the law? Sure. Uh, so I've been a professor at SMU Law School for almost 15 years now. And before that, I practiced law in Washington, D.C. And I represented clients mostly in the pharmaceutical and medical device and biotech industries. And what was interesting about that was that my clients had matters in front of state and federal regulators, state and federal legislative bodies, and state and federal courts. Uh, so I got to practice in a variety of different venues and experience all different levels of policymaking. Um, and so, you know, I used that experience um, in Washington, D.C., and here at SMU in Dallas, I've been teaching courses on not only healthcare law and regulation, including a class on the FDA, but also introductory courses on the legislative process and the regulatory process. And so it's been fun introducing students to the basics of how government works, how you get things done, how the three branches talk to each other, and how we make policy. Awesome. And that's exactly why, you know, you're here today. It, I'd like to sort of just talk about the introductory process and how stuff works, how government works. And, you know, a lot of times nurses, they say, report that they don't feel educated or prepared in the, the governmental background or the policy process. And, and you're an expert on these, you know, the process, you're used to educating people on this and so we really do want to focus on educating and inspiring Texas nurses to be more politically involved. So would you mind just sharing with us basically, you know, what, what does a nurse need to know about the governmental structure and the legal process? Yeah, so it's totally understandable. It can be really daunting to try to wrap your head around how policy is made. Um, it's made at lots of different levels of government. Um, it's made in all three branches of government. And so I see my job as an instructor to kind of demystify the process for my students, to explain that there are rules and our procedures. You can learn those procedures and the parties that know those procedures well are the ones that are able to get things done. Um, so for example, if you know the legislative process, you can pass legislation. 
if you know the regulatory process and how administrative agencies promulgate rules and make decisions, uh, you can make headway with agencies. And if you know the judicial process and how courts handle disputes, uh, you can advocate in that forum as well. So I get it. The process can be daunting and it's intimidating to a lot of people, but I see my job as demystifying it for students. And in law school, you know, we train students for three years. And a big part of that training is how to appreciate procedure and how to use procedure to your advantage. How do you use the rules to your advantage? Right. Okay. Talk about the three branches of government. Uh, so I, I think I think the key takeaway for nurses who are interested in politics is understanding that policy making policy making happens in lots of different venues, and you know it may be intimidating at first, but you know people created these procedures and people use them every day. And once you understand the process, um, it's it's really not as difficult as you think. Okay. All right. So just to break it down, the three branches of government, the legislative, executive, and judicial, and then there are three levels of the government, right? The federal, state, and local. Yeah. So if you were to sketch this out on a matrix, it would be like a three by three matrix where you had federal, state, and local. And at the federal level, you have federal courts, federal agencies, and the executive branch. And then, of course, Congress, the federal legislature. At the state level, you have the same thing. You have uh, the state governor, the state executive branch, state executive agencies. Then you have state courts and you have the state legislature. And even at the local level, uh, you have local laws being written by you know, the city council. And then you have local agencies like you know, the Dallas uh, Department of Health Services. And then you have local courts. And so you know, these all three branches of government at every level interact with each other in some way. And it seems like one big mess, but there really is a rhyme and a reason to it. And if you can kind of see, if you can see the forest for the trees and kind of fly up to 30,000 feet, you can see how everything works. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's important to know that, you know, just because you lose at one level doesn't mean that the game is over. You can always pursue your policy at different levels of government. Okay. There's, so there's different ways to go about it, different ways to address it, different ways to attack it, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. So you discussed a little bit about the federal level, the Health and Human Services Committee, the CDC. Tell me a little bit about the state state level. Yeah. So so in Texas, what's, what's important, I think, for, for health professionals like nurses is that nurses are primarily regulated and licensed by by the state and so that means the texas legislature for example here in texas the texas legislature has drafted statutes that govern the criteria for getting licensed to become a nurse and the criteria for keeping your license and the various professional standards you have to adhere to and continuing education requirements and the like and then those are implemented and enforced by, you know, the State Board of Nursing is the executive agency that implements rules uh, that are binding and enforceable. And then you have state courts that try to police all these decisions, making sure that, uh, for example, the State Board of Nursing isn't acting outside of its authority or that it's not using improper procedures. Uh, and so there, 
all, all these different branches of governments, all the arms of government speak to each other in different ways. Uh, and so it's important to know who does what in the government. And again, you know, in practice, I realized this uh, when being asked to intervene on behalf of clients. And as a professor now, I really try to, to get students to force to ask themselves, who is doing what here? When we read a case, when we talk about a case study, I want them to, to step back and realize who is doing what and who's responsible for doing what in this situation. You know, who has jurisdiction over this licensing issue is, you know, it's probably not the federal government if you're talking about uh, licensure of healthcare professionals, because that's a state responsibility. Uh, but if you're talking about Medicare reimbursement and Medicaid reimbursement, that's typically a federal issue with some state involvement on the Medicaid side. Um, so I'm always trying to press students to think critically and not take for granted that uh, they know who is supposed to do what in each situation. They really need to think about who has jurisdiction and authority. Okay. So let's say, for example, you know, and we've been in a pandemic and, you know, there was a real issue about PPE and mask shortage where, you know, hospitals did not, you know, they didn't have enough masks for nurses or for healthcare professionals. And so that, that would be more of a state, a state, issue like protecting the the safety of the nurse versus a federal issue correct yeah i mean it it depends and i, I hate to give you that answer because that's what lawyers are famous for saying it depends. But, <laughs> you know typically typically yes you're right it would be a state issue uh the state regulates the practice of nursing and the conditions in which they work for the most part. But you also have federal standards on workplace safety. So you have OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration at the federal level that you know regulates workplace safety around the country. And if you're talking about a VA hospital, that would be a federal issue as well because the VA practitioners operate under federal uh, statutes and federal guidelines. And so, yeah, I mean, it, again, it seems complicated, but it all makes sense when you think about it. Some institutions are regulated at the state and local level. Some are regulated at the federal level. But even, you know, you take a massive uh, safety net hospital like Parkland here in Dallas, you know, mm -hmm. they have to answer to federal, state and local regulators. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they need reimbursement by Medicare and Medicaid and these massive federal programs. And so they have to pay attention to what Medicare requires. Uh, they also have to pay attention to federal healthcare fraud and abuse laws and, and drug pricing laws and whatnot. But, you know, they maintain their license here in the state and their license locally. And, you know, the, the availability and supply of PPE had different layers involved because, you know, the federal CDC issues guidelines. There were some federal subsidies and monies going in to support distribution of PPE and, and manufacturing, but there are a lot of local logistics as well. So again, it, you know, if you wanted to, to challenge uh, or, or bring a lawsuit involving the lack of PPE, for example, uh, I could see you pursuing state and or local litigation. So. It can be complicated, you know. I don't want to lie and say, "Oh, you can under <laughs> you can understand all this," and then you know, you give me a simple example, and I talk about three different types of interventions. <laughs> but there, there is a rhyme and a reason. Um, right. There is a rhyme and a reason, and it's you know, it, it's a 
it's a complex system, but it, you know, I don't want people to be daunted by the complexity because there's a logic to it. Right, right. And it, and some things are independently by the state and some things you, you work together on the three, the federal, state and local levels together. It just depends on the situation or the issue, right? Yeah. And so like, like Medicaid, for example, that's designed on purpose to be a federal and state joint program where the federal government sets kind of baseline requirements for state Medicaid programs and then states fill in the details and take it from there. And there's a lot of federal money that supports it, but there's also state money. And so Medicaid's a good example of a joint program. Uh, even with Medicare, you have local contractors around the country that kind of administer Medicare on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And also, would you mind just sort of touching on the non-government bodies that are, you know, can be really helpful, like professional organizations? Yeah. So uh, this is true for any profession. Like in law, I ha we have the American Bar Association and, and uh, you know, the local Dallas Bar. So these, these professional organizations can be important in articulating standards of conduct. And so you know, uh, you, you have the American Nurses Association, the Texas Nurses Association, you have specialty boards and certifications. So in healthcare, you know, I teach an introduction to health law course. Um, and I explain to students the, the same things I'm explaining here, which is policy and healthcare comes from every different branch at every, every different level of government. Plus it comes from these kind of private quasi-public sometimes professional organizations that exercise some governance, but it's kind of voluntary. And so again, uh, you have lots of people with lots of things to say about how nurses practice, about how doctors practice, about how we pay for healthcare, how do we regulate the quality, who gets access to it. Right. And those non-government bodies, they really influence the changes through to talk with policymakers and influence influence things that are supportive of their of their members, right? Yeah, for sure. So you know, a group like Texas Nurses Association, you know, it's a professional membership organization, but they're involved in the legislative process here in Texas, and right. you know, they're involved whenever the Texas Board of Nursing has a big decision to make or it wants to change its rules somehow, uh, that's a group that represents the interests of nurses. So, you know, what I, what I think is interesting is you, we need nurses and we need their expertise in all these levels of government. You know, it would be great to have, I've had, I've had nurses uh, in my law school classes who are, who are pursuing a JD and it'd wow. be great to have nurses as judges. It's great yes. to have nurses as members of legislative bodies to help craft legislation. It's great to have nurses on these uh, in these administrative agencies who implement the statutes and decide how to enforce them. Uh, you don't necessarily want a bunch of lawyers who have no experience in nursing or medical practice making these decisions. Like we, our system relies on the input of people who know what they're talking about, and. Um, I think I think it's important to note that you can have input from the outside. You don't have to, to be on the inside, although but you can influence policy from the Texas Nurses Association, you know, from hospital organizations and, and from the outside. And, and our process is designed to, to seek that kind of input. 
Right, right. No, that, that helps. That does make a lot of sense, right? So, you know, just reviewing over everything that we've gone over and all the different steps and the processes and the different levels, let's just use an example. Um, there's, let's say that there is a current situation in Texas for nurses that it's one of the most restricted states for a nurse or an advanced practice registered nurse to practice. So what if there are nurses listening today who want to try to get a bill passed for full practice authority? Can you just sort of review the process for this? Yeah, so um, again, the the practice of nursing is regulated by the states. Right. So you wouldn't, bo- you wouldn't bother with Congress or federal right. legislation. Uh, you wouldn't bother with federal agencies or federal courts. So all the action there is gonna be in Texas. It's a state thing. And yeah, it's a state thing. Um, so you would need to look at what the current law says. You, you know, you pull up the Texas uh, annotated uh, code, which is the Texas statutes, and you'd look at what the language says, and it is restrictive, as you've mentioned, and you've got to think about why it's so restrictive. You know, why, who's protecting their turf here? And, you know, in Texas, it, it helps to understand that, you know, the Texas um, physicians groups are very powerful, and, you know, you have to think, who do we need to convince to relax these rules and what are the benefits? And so, you know, this would probably be taken up with the Texas legislature. Uh, I think there's a strong case to make that it expands access to care. You know, if you let nurses practice to the full extent of their training, what they're trained and educated to do, you expand access to important services it generally is more cost effective than relying on care that's funneled through physicians, sometimes artificially. Um, and you know, the quality outcomes data are pretty compelling. Like quality does not drop off at all. And in fact, quality sometimes uh, improves when you rely more on nurses. And so you have to build uh, the record, as we attorneys would say, you have to build a record to make your case and you have to work, you know, the halls down in Austin and convince people to be your champion. You, know, you, you got to find allies. You know, are those allies hospitals? You know, is it payers, insurance companies who, who want to save money and improve the quality of care and access to care? And you try to build a coalition to make the case, understanding that there are interests aligned against you. And one important thing that I've learned in in working on this process is sometimes it takes years. Uh, Sometimes it takes several sessions. And in Texas, the legislature only meets for a few months every two years, which talking to state legislators is really not enough in a state as big and complex as ours here in Texas. And so, you know, it can, I remember tracking federal legislation and you'd see a bill proposed six, seven, eight, nine years in a row, and it didn't pass until the 10th year. And so it can, it can be a slog, uh, it can be a process, but uh, it's not at all unusual for bills to fail the first time around and then eventually gain traction. You just so have you to have be to have persistent, some... <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's a long-term goal and uh, most people uh, aren't satisfied with it, but um, you know, it just takes time. Yeah. And there, there has been a lot of work done, you know, through the Texas Nurses Association for that topic, you know, for sure. And lots of other, um, you know, professional nursing organizations as well. So 
the work's not done, but, um, you know, that it just, it helps sort of put things into perspective about the process. I appreciate you kind of reviewing that with us. And, you know, the, the last thing I, I kind of wanted to ask you about was, you know, just a few things about public speaking. You do this every day. You know, we may have nurses listening today who want to, you know, maybe provide testimony on a, you know, in a hearing or they're contemplating running for office. And, you know, successful public speaking is just imperative. Can you can you just briefly share some tips on, you know, being a successful public speaker? Yeah. So, I mean, some people are born as naturally gifted public speakers. I was not one of those people. It's something I had to work on. And I, I kind of did it through observation. Like I, I went to so many different public talks and lectures and once I became a professor, I started keeping track of who was effective and who wasn't and what, what they did that I thought made them effective. One skill you learn in law school is how to organize information. And I think it's important to, to give talks and to speak with your audience in mind. Like how, you know, how are they processing the information? What do they need to know? And why do they need to know it? Um, so organizing your information and presenting it in a listener friendly way is always important. Too many people just get up and say what they want to say. And you can tell they haven't really thought about what the audience needs to hear or how they might process it. Um, and so I think it's, I think it's worth kind of carefully organizing, you know, I have X amount of time here are the most important points I want to get across and here are a few highlights or things to make these tangible, you know, a story or something concrete. Speaking in a way that is friendly, you know, trying not to use so much jargon. Um, you want to be accessible. I think you can be accessible. Uh, you don't have to dumb things down to be accessible. You can make things understandable and, you know, think about your audience and, you know, become a, a self-critical speaker. You know, what, what do people do that annoys me when they speak and what can I do to mimic the people I think are effective? Right. Okay. And just having that confidence to get out there and not be afraid to speak up. Right. Yeah. And, you know, as you, you know, as I've gotten older, I realize that there's no secret. There's, you know, not some, there's not some magic that uh, people muster. You just you, you just go out and you tell people what you know. And if you're thoughtful about it, it tends to resonate. Yeah. Wow. This is this is great. This has been so helpful. Just this, you know, the overview of the political structure and these helpful tidbits from a law professor. I feel like I just went to law school and listened to a lecture. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, it's great to join you, and I'm excited about your project. Uh, good luck with it. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.